Let's open our Bibles back to Titus. Got several scriptures I want to go to tonight, so it'd be best that we just move along here. We'll um, just pick back up where we left off this morning and um, and go on through. I'm not going to say that again. We'll just do whatever we can do. How's that sound? Get through the chapter. I keep saying that. We don't get a verse done. So we, uh, <laughs> we've kind of ended chapter number three, verse number one and two. Um, kind of ended the, and then he, we're getting into the reasons as to, to why having been forgiven ourselves in verse number three. Uh, we were the same way, but in verse number four, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Kindness and love toward what man is. That's out of this world, that they would say. If Romans 1 is true, and it is, and men are as vile as God says they are, and they are, then how we end up with kindness and love being manifested toward man is only found in mercy, <laughs> who God is. Verse number five, uh, by works of righteousness, which we had none anyway. In fact, the Bible said your righteousness is filthy rags, right? So it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, because that was no good. So it's just according to his mercy. Well, why did God save me? Seeing I'm such a vile wretch. Well, it's in spite of you being a vile wretch. It's according to his mercy. Not according to you. And uh, I thank God for that, don't you? Not by works of righteousness that accounted me out. But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Thank God for these great truths. I mean, there's just so much that we can spend time in, and us going back to Romans, it's not necessary that we do so. The Lord doesn't want me to do so. But according to His mercy, He saved us. Salvation is of the Lord. That's not a Calvinist verse there, right? But salvation is of the Lord. He gets all the credit for it. If there's any work done, which is what uh, would render a payment... Right? The work was done by him. The work of reconciliation, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So the work necessary to reconcile you to God, Jesus performed that uh, to his fullness and to his perfection. So uh, you and I, by faith, lay hold of what he did, and he saved us. He didn't have to save us. That's why you'll hear me say that grace is the grounds upon which we're saved, not our faith. Faith is the means by which that's appropriated to us. But I'm saved on the grounds of grace by the means of faith. If it wasn't for God's grace, there would be no salvation for such vile sinners. 
If he hadn't offered himself without spot to God, there would be no salvation for vile sinners. If he wouldn't sent the Holy Ghost to reprove this world of righteous of judgment, uh, righteous of sin, uh, righteous of judgment, because they believe not on me, because I go to my Father and you see me no more, because the prince of this world is judged. If the Spirit of God wouldn't come and done all that, there'd have been no pricking of the heart, there'd been no drawing of the Holy Ghost, no illumination of the mind, no enlightening, no, there would be no way for you to exercise faith in something apart from a preacher because how would he preach except God send him, right? God is the author of salvation. Now, what that doesn't mean is what Calvin said it means, right? But I take no, uh, um, I will never uh, challenge that great truth that we are saved on the grounds of God's grace. Your faith means nothing apart from the grace of God that provided the salvation for you to believe on. So God saved me. You hear that testimony? Well, I saved myself because of my faith. I'm saved because God saved me. God saved me. He saved us. He gets all the credit for it. And so by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, he saved us. Verse number six, he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. I love that word, don't you? Our Savior. Um, the uh, which he shed on us abundantly here uh, would be uh, I looked up that abundantly and it literally means to pour out on uh, to overflow he went and above and beyond what was required and shedding on us abundantly what he has he's exceeded our expectations like he always does Then verse number seven, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, this verse is not difficult, but it does open up some areas that we, I want to go to that are necessary for us to go to, because I believe it, um, it opens up a lot of things. Now, in Romans, we've dealt with the matter of justification. Um, we have been justified with the present result that we are currently justified uh, to the end result that we shall be justified. That's the blue perfect tense of the Greek talking about being justified as something that has been true in the past. It remains true in the, in the present and it shall always be true in the future. There'll never be a time if you've ever been justified that you won't be justified, right? Us being justified, uh, we, um, uh, according to the verse here, by his grace. Of course, there again is the grounds of your justification. God's amazing grace. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, the Bible has a lot to say in this next part uh, in discussing this being justified. The Bible has a lot to say about this part of being an heir. Most of you know many verses right now you can recall to your mind and join heirs with Christ, heirs of uh, God and all those wonderful things. And we're going to look at those verses because I believe it's um, be good for us to, uh, these won't be in exact order. I want to give them, but there'll be an order that we have to flip. So we're not doing flip flop. We'll start in the book of Acts and we'll go through these verses. I didn't get all of them. Uh, But I want to look at this uh, matter of being an heir. 
Now, being an heir also comes with that, when you see that word, that we should be made heirs uh, according to the hope of eternal life. Uh, being an heir has the idea of having an inheritance, right? Yes. And so you'll see these matters that are, um, you, you see just one word there, being an heir, uh, but there is an inheritance that has to do uh, with us being an heir, Right? We've not already received everything that God has in store for us. Uh, and so we'll look at these verses to have an understanding. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and just uh, set the bar low so you don't have any high expectations of what I'm fixing to do and disappointed at the end. I'm not going to be able to exhaustively tell you what all God has in store for them that love him. I don't know what all our inheritance in the saint who's made us meet to be partakers, the inheritance of the saints in life. I don't know that I can tell you every single thing that God has in store for you as part of our inheritance. I know several verses and I know there's verses that reference different part of the inheritance, part of which would be eternal life. Which was promised by, and, uh, which was made as a promise, and those verses that are dealing with Abraham uh, is talking about eternal life. Right? We have hope, and we have it now, though it's not been yet completed, right? We, we have eternal life now. It's just a matter of uh, the hope. It's just a matter of it all coming into fruition, all coming to pass. It's, uh, uh, but we, as good, we are as good as in heaven, according to the Bible. Uh, and so we're just waiting for some things to happen. And so we are heirs and we have an inheritance. Now here begs a question then, why would I not receive the inheritance now? So we'll look, start with me in the book of Acts in chapter number 20. And I, I won't be able to exhaustively say that I could tell you everything uh, that is included in this inheritance. I, I really don't know. I know several verses I could give you that um, I don't know if I have them written down here. I, I do have some of them um, that I could uh, give you by memory so that we may not have to turn to them. But remember Peter, after that verse, it says, and who then can be saved? And the Bible said, with men it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. And he, remember he goes on to say, Lord, we've left houses and lands. We've forsaken everything to follow you. And what did Jesus say? No man has ever forsaken houses and lands and anything else that is not restored a hundredfold at this time and also eternal life. So, uh, you, okay, give, let me give you another verse. So, so that tends to say, well, what about this verse? Lay up for yourselves in treasures in heaven. Remember that? Amen. Where moths can't corrupt it and thieves can't break in and steal it. So that would give me the idea that I can add to some of this inheritance. We, inheritance, we, we, we talked about these rewards, that abundant entrance that may be ministering to you in the coming of the everlasting kingdom. I, I, I know there's crowns to win, right? Well, let me say, I pretend to know what all that means because we all generally accept it, but I don't know how much of it. So I'm going to earn crowns that I'm going to lay down at his feet, I guess at the kingdom. I, I, I don't know. I don't know all the truths about all of these things. Some of these things, we are just a, they're just a mystery to me. I know they're true. I know there's uh, things I can lay up for myself, treasures in heaven. I know that. 
And then I know the Bible says in Peter we have an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, which fadeth not away, reserved for you in heaven. I know Jesus say, I go to prepare a place for you. Right? In my Father's house are many mansions. And they're going to go, and I'm going to come again. I'm going to receive you unto myself. And I'm telling you, God, Jesus went to send of the Father. He went to prepare a place, and we know this verse. Uh, but John saw that place prepared already. So I know that. I know there's, a, there's a mansions in the heavens. I know there's streets of gold. I know there's thrones and rivers and a tree of life. And I, I know various things and jewels and jasper and walls. And I, I, I know the part about the city, about how, about how wide and about how long that it is and, and all of those various things. But, but there's, there's, there's a, uh, something we have to consider when we talk about this inheritance. We have to understand one thing. That the Bible said flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom. Okay? So, if I have an undefiled inheritance that fadeth not away, and I have an undefiled father that's going to give it to me, in an undefiled city, and nothing can enter into that place that will defile... I'm not going the way I am now because I'm defiled. I bear the image of the earth in this body. It's hard for you to believe as in shape as it is. But I bear the image of the earth. I'm of the earth. I'm earthy. I'm temporal. I'm corruptible. I'm uh, what the Bible calls about our flesh is weak. Sown in weakness. And so uh, I have a problem, this inheritance that, that I have, which is in Christ, which is uh, I am a partaker of being born again. I cannot enjoy and inherit those things being the way that I am. You say, now, brother, where are you going? Here's where I'm going. Does the Bible say we're born again? Yes, it does. Not, I'm not, I don't ask trick questions up here. It bothers me when people do that. I won't do that to you. It's a simple question. Are we born again? Yes, we're born again. You must be born again. For we're born not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible how? By the word of God. And now are you what? Sons of God. Is that what your Bible said? Now, if I'm a son... Why do I need to groan within myself waiting for the adoption of sons? Why do I need to be adopted if I'm already a son by birth? Now, good luck with that one. I have an idea and I'll give it to you tonight. Uh, but, uh, and the only reason I have an idea is because of when I look to the Lord, he went through the same things, right? He was born of the Holy Ghost, was he not? Jesus came into this world. God prepared him a body, and 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 the angel who spoken to Mary said that you'll be a child of the Holy Ghost, right? And so uh, uh, Joseph played no part in it, nor did any man. It was the Holy Ghost that overshadowed the womb of a virgin. And that body which he had, I assume he got from Mary and its physical attributes. It being a flesh, right? 
But he was God and very God and altogether God and the Son of God from the point that he was implanted into her womb by the Holy Ghost. That's what I believe. I don't believe he became uh, aware of the fact that he was Jesus at the baptism of John. I don't believe that. I believe he knew he was Jesus. He knew he was God manifested in the flesh when he was a carpenter's son in the shop working as a little boy. But I believe when they lost him as a little boy and they were looking for him, uh, and uh, uh, where did they find him, right? He always knew what he is and what he was. But he was under the limitations of the material laws of our human flesh, right? Though he wasn't a partaker of sin, and in him was no sin, and never he did sin, he had a body, did he not? Jesus had a body and it was a body that was like unto you and me. He got thirsty. He got hungry, right? He wept in this body. He experienced emotion for he was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. He said that he might be a faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God. Jesus endured suffering and affliction and humbled himself in that body though he was God and equal with God and made himself of no reputation and became obedient under the death of the cross. That's Jesus, the son of man, the son of God. Perfect God, perfect man in one body. Now, okay, was he not also, though, adopted? He was born naturally through Mary, was he not? But we we went through this Monday night, did we not, young people? Was Jesus adopted? He had to be, right? Who adopted Jesus? Joseph did. Joseph did not lay with Mary before she ever came together with a man. She was a child of the Holy Ghost. She was a, not a young woman, she was a virgin. She had never known a man. So this miraculous conception brought forth a child whose name is Emmanuel, right? God with us. And then the fulfillment of the further prophecies are the government shall be upon his shoulders, right? And he shall inherit the throne of his father David. Did he do that in his 33 and a third years that he was upon the earth in his earthly ministry when he came and was riding upon the fold of a coal's ass? No. There's coming a day where he'll come and take the throne of his father David, but he'll come ruling and reigning in righteousness and thy scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom and he'll come as a king priest of the order of Melchizedek ruling and reigning from Jerusalem and the throne of his father David. And he said, I'm gonna establish your kingdom is forever and forever whose kingdom there is no end. That's what the Bible talks about. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah for King Jesus. Yeah. So his priesthood continueth forever and his kingship continues forever and now he's just waiting, sitting on the right hand of the Father, waiting till his enemies be made his footstool. What the Bible said. That's what he's doing now. What else is he doing? Well, he's making intercession for me and you, one thing. Thank the Lord for that. So we, we need to read these verses, but I, I, I gotta get this off my brain now. Okay, so, so Jesus was born of a virgin, born of Mary. And adopted, as it was supposed, he was the son of Joseph, right? Luke 3. Okay, so we look in the, uh, let me get this out first and then this will help us because uh, as he is, so are we. Now, 
Okay, so if you look and you look at the throne of the father of David, well, let's go through this quickly because most of you heard it Monday night, but this pertains to something else for us in the future. So in Matthew, in Matthew chapter number one, you have, uh, you have, um, you have Joseph's genealogy, which goes back through Solomon unto David. Right? And then in Luke 3, you have Mary's genealogy, which is not so much she is of David because she's of Judah and she's of the tribe of David through Nathan, but really her, her, uh, uh, um, goes back to Abraham all the way to Adam. Right? Showing that Jesus truly was the Son of Man. He was of Adam in that sense, and his uh, uh, physical genealogy, according, uh, uh, Mary's genealogy, and his physical birth. So Jesus being physically born of the Holy Ghost. Then, but, but what happened? Just think about this, because I want this to help us when we think about our inheritance. So Jesus has an inheritance. What does the Bible say? He's going to inherit the throne of his father David. He uses that word inherit. Now, how can he inherit David's throne if Joseph had the rights to the throne, but Joseph couldn't be king because Jeconiah was cursed, Coni at the time, right? So under, Je under Coniah, uh, the Bible said, uh, and we finally got it right in Jeremiah 22, uh, that God said, write this man childless and no more basically of his children, his generation shall reign anymore in Judah, Right? So, so David's throne went unoccupied from that time forward. There was nobody that, that had to be of David, but they were in Solomon's lineage, which was Joseph was, they could be king, but Coniah had to curse on it, right? And so we, we know this. And so uh, Jesus uh, being adopted uh, overcame that curse because he wasn't of Jeconiah, right? He inherited all of the rights of the kingship, all the rights to the throne. He inherited the legal rights to the throne because he was adopted by Joseph. To my knowledge, and I tried to look at it today, there was not another adoption. There was nobody else that could fulfill that role from the time that Coniah was cursed all the way to Jesus. You don't think God knew something about this thing? So... Had he been born of the seed of the man, now I have a little bit of trouble. Some people talk about the sin nature as though it's passed down through blood, through DNA. Now, I have a little bit of trouble with that because if that's true, that should play out consistently. If I get a blood transfusion, then you transfer your sins to me. I don't know about that. So I, I, I think it's got a whole lot more to do with his rights to fulfill prophecy and take over the throne that was promised to David, which is an earthly throne. Amen. And so he bypasses the, uh, the curse, uh, Coni, the Jeconi's curse. He bypasses being adopted. So blood rights, he was of the tribe of Judah through Nathan because of Mary. So he, he had the rise. I mean, he was just as much a man in his flesh as you and I are. Now, without sin, right? But I mean in the sense of his body hurt like ours. It was pierced and he felt it. I believe all that. He had a body. He, he suffered being tempted in all points now, did he not? Okay. So he was born of the Holy Ghost, but then he was also adopted. And his adoption had more to do with the physical because of his inheritance. Now follow me now. We're going to go to these verses. You and I are born of the Holy Ghost, are we not? But we're born again what? Spiritually. Is my flesh born again? 
My flesh is not born again. My flesh is just as vile as it's always been vile. My flesh and my blood cannot inherit the kingdom. Some change has to happen. Something has to happen in order for me to be a partaker of the inheritance. Something's got to happen to my body. Right? Because flesh and blood cannot inherit. So what happens? The Bible says you must be born again. The word of God comes. And faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You're pricked in your heart. You repent of your sin. And you turn to Jesus by faith. And in that moment, you're born again. You're, all, you're, you're, you're inwardly, spiritually born again. You are born of God, of the Holy Ghost. Just like Jesus. Amen. Of the Holy Ghost. This is an operation made without hands. This is an inward operation that cannot be seen. This is a spiritual operation. This is a baptism where you're baptized into one body by the Spirit. This is a circumcision is performed without hands and the cutting away of your flesh separates you from the inward man that's born again of God which is undefiled, which is perfect and can never sin. God immediately sealed it with the Holy Ghost. Nothing will get in through the Holy Ghost and the blood of Christ to defile your inner man. According to 1 John 3, he cannot sin for his seed remaineth in him. Now, I didn't see none of that happen. I sure felt it. (laughs) And I'm glad I did. (laughs) And I tell you, I've been different ever since it happened. But I didn't see none of that go on. And I'm telling you, it happened so quick there wasn't a bad thought that could have got in to defile me. In a moment, in a twink of an eye, God birthed me again into his family. Amen. And now I'm born again. Hallelujah. I'm a son of God, yes. so to speak. Amen. Was Jesus the son of God? Sure he was. Amen. Luke 3, uh, let's see. Yeah, Luke 3, verse 38. And you'll, you'll see towards the end of that genealogy. And it'll say, the, Adam, the son of God. Was Adam a son of God? He was a created son of God, but he wasn't the begotten son of God. That's a big difference. So when the NIV takes out the word begotten, it means the same thing as that did with Adam. Christ was a created son, not a birth son. Jesus being the only begotten son of God is totally different from Adam being a created son of God. Are are the angels sons of God? Sure they are. Are they created? Sure they are. Are you and I sons of God? Absolutely we are. We have been spiritually born again into the family of God. And so my flesh, and the old saying, we've got two dogs in us fighting. We've got this old flesh which is unredeemed and cannot inherit. And then we've got the inward man, you which were dead, hath he quickened. Right? He didn't quicken my my flesh. My flesh is dead because of sin. The Bible says So, now, let's think through this now. So, you're bought with a price. Wherefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. So, he's purchased you, right? He's purchased you, your whole being. But we're still waiting for the redemption of the purchased possession. And that's got to take place at the adoption of sons. So, 
You and I being adopted must have something to do, if it had to do with Jesus' inheritance and it was physical, then it must have something to do with our physical and our inheritance, this matter of adoption. Both are equally true. Jeconiah cursed the man. The man was cursed, right? So in Adam all... Your flesh, you and your flesh is of the earth and it bears the image of the earthly and it's going back to the dust of the earth. It's of dust. Naked came I hither and naked shall I return. I mean, you, it is as vile as it's always been, right? Now he purchased the rights to your body, but he, doesn't, he didn't buy it in the condition that it's in. He's not going to keep it in the condition that it's in. He's going to change it. Is that what the Bible said? He's going to change your vile body, Philippians, according to his power. Okay. So I've got an inheritance. Well, let's, let's read these verses because I think it's good sometimes, you know, you spit a lot out. Let's, let's read Acts 20. Turn to Acts 20. Some of these will help us along the way and some of them will just kind of reiterate things I may have already said. Just to establish the fact, the Bible's got a lot to say about this inheritance. This fact of you and I, when we bowed our knee and we asked God to forgive us and God saved us and we don't have to go to hell anymore, there's a whole lot more to the Christian life than that. Not just in this life, but in that which is to come. God's got a lot of good things in store for me and you. We've not wasted our time serving God. All right, Acts chapter number 20, verse number 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. So here's the, the first mention of it here in the book of Acts. You see that God is able, according to the word of his grace, I commend you to God, which is able to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Turn just a few verses over, verse number 26. I mean, excuse me, chapter 26. And say, well, I don't care much about it. As long as I end up in heaven, I'll be okay. Well, somewhat that's probably true, but... But in a lot of ways, I kind of like to know what all we got in store for us, don't you? Amen. I've got an inheritance coming to me. Yes. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. Acts 26, verse number 17. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom, I, whom now I send thee. Look at the purpose here in verse 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. Boy, that'd be enough, wouldn't it? Amen. But we use this little conjunction here. This, this little word and. That's a, in addition to forgiveness of sins. And inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. There's more coming. Turn to Romans chapter number 8. Boy, we got it made. <laughs> we need to pick our heads up. I think that's why Paul said, uh, you know, the weak knees and the feeble knees and the hands that hang low. Hey, we need to wake up out of sleep and realize we got it made. 
inheritance and man as sinful and filthy as we were and God give us an inheritance Romans 8 chapter number verse number 10 of, of Romans 8 I'll read it quickly if Christ be in you the body is dead because of sin but the spirit is life because of righteousness but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies How's he going to do that? By his spirit, capital S, that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we're debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You're the sons of God, but you've got the spirit and it's the spirit of adoption that's in you crying, Abba, Father. Both are equally true. Now, some people in, the, uh, in these unfortunate renderers, M.R. Dahan and many other Bible correctors, will say that's an unfortunate rendering, that it shouldn't be adoption. Well, fooey on them. Amen. That's what I say. Amen. It's unfortunate they were educated beyond their intelligence. Now, if we live, let's see, verse number uh, uh, 15, for you have not received the spirit of gift, uh, you received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon, <laughs> there's old southern language there, isn't it? For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same creature, the same, in hope. Boy, it's good to have hope, isn't it? It's terrible to be without God and without hope in the world, but we have hope. I have hope. Don't you have hope? I don't just have hope that one day I'm going to be with Jesus forever and I'm going to see him face to face. My, my faith becomes sign. I've got hope that one day I will never have to deal with this rotten, twisted, messed up body and the temptations and the lusts and the desires and all the mess, all the thoughts and all the sinful. You'll never have to battle that anymore when you get a new body. Amen. That's what I'm thrilled for. I can't wait to that day where I don't have to feel, feel such dread and shame for how I failed God. Aren't you looking forward to that day where you don't have to uh, worry about uh, that failing him and look at him who was pierced for you and died on your behalf and you can look at him in perfect satisfaction and perfect, uh, 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 perfect worth, as it were, uh, and not have to look at him who pierced and did so much for you and you've done so little for him. Boy, there's coming a day that's going to happen, friend. There's coming a day when God changes your vile body that you'll never again disappoint God. 
There'll be no more battles where the spirit lusteth and the flesh lusteth and these two contraries and cannot do the things you would. That will never happen again one day when I get an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled which fadeth not away reserved for me in heaven. I'll get to enjoy eternity. I'm not going to inhabit eternity in a filthy body battling against sin. I'm going to inhabit eternity and enjoy an eternal inheritance in an eternal body, in the presence of an eternal God, in an eternal city with eternal brothers. Hallelujah. (laughs) Woo! I'm looking forward to it, aren't you? I like that word, eternal life. Now, the creature itself, verse 21, also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, comma, to wit, that means to know, to experience to come to pass comma the redemption of our body so we are groaning within ourselves and we're waiting for the adoption which has to do with the redemption of our body so let's go on that helps us get a glimpse into what this adoption is about I'm born spiritually, but then I'm adopted, must have something to do with the physical. See, spirit is just as real as material, right? It's just under a different mode of being. You're not going to be floating around like Casper the ghost when you get over there, right? Everybody know who Casper is? It's the only one I could think of at the time, Brother Reed. I don't know any other ghosts. So... When we get to heaven and the Bible talks about these glorious streets of gold, what good would it be to me if I was in the spirit? I'm going to enjoy eternity in a physical body. Now, it won't be limited. It'll be a glorified, resurrected body that won't be confined to the laws of nature, to the material laws that you and I are under now. I don't believe that. I believe it'll be a glorified body like his. What I don't believe, that it will be an essence. It won't be a primary change. It'll be secondary changes. I won't be raised where you won't recognize me. I'm not coming back as a cow. Why'd I have to use cow? I could have used, could have used a, something a lot more fit in shape to accurately reflect myself. But anyway. Right? That would, be a, that would be a primary change in essence. When he changes our vile body, it's still a body. Yeah. Right? They recognized him, though it took them a little bit. He was raised incorruptible in a glorified body, a body that wasn't limited by, again, the material laws. I, I don't want to get into the 
matter not being able to occupy the same space, but spirit can. So if spirit is a real mode of being just exactly like the material world, uh, uh, we're born again spiritually. God's took care of that. We're the sons of God. We're born of the spirit. We're a spiritual organism and we're a spiritual body. But then we have a body that's fallen in its nature. It's a, it's a, it's a corruptible body is what the Bible calls it. It's subject to vanity. Right? I, I, I'm groaning to be clothed upon. Right? I want to experience heaven with eyeballs and ears and a mouth. Don't you? I don't know if I'll get to eat of that tree of life. It may be for those that come up out of the, out of the, uh, out of the uh, tribulation period. I, I don't know that we'll need food. I know Jesus ate, did he not, with uh, fish in a glorified body, but I don't know if he needed it to sustain life and convert it to energy and maintain life. I, I don't know because it's, it's, it, it, I think it's a bloodless body personally. But either, either, that's neither here nor there. But you and I will know as we're known. Is that true? Is that what your Bible said? I'll know you when I get there, Tyler, if you're saved. I'll recognize you as you. And you'll recognize me. So will be secondary changes or not primary changes. But we're going to have a change in this body and it will be like Jesus's. That much I know. And I have to think we may keep our skin color. I don't know. Those are different things. I've always thought maybe we'll be, uh, because it says as he is, uh, we'll be like him. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But this much I know. I'll recognize you in heaven. You'll recognize me. Now, okay, so... Let's 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 go let's go along here, and this body is such a mess. We have what the Bible calls the first fruits of the spirit, right? We have uh, which God's given us the earnest of the spirit. Is that what your Bible said? Now, what is the earnest money? Y'all bought a house. Earnest money is what a down payment. Right, you're going to say, look, I'm going to give you $500 a tidbit when you're buying a house. Put as little as possible. Don't put a lot of your own hard work cash into that. That thing's up for grabs. So put down as little as you can and and they'll accept it. Well, I don't know what that has to do with anything, Tyler. I'm going to quit looking at you. You're not any help at all. Uh, and so what did God do? God, God saved you, sealed you with the Holy Spirit, which the Bible references that we have the earnest of the Spirit, right? So we have a down payment, which means basically I'm going to put $500 down, but I'm going to bring 250000 later from the bank. A whole lot more is to come. Down payment's just a little bit of a taste to get to until the redemption of the purchase possession. So he's given you the, the capital S Spirit sealed till the day of redemption. I thought I was already redeemed. Just hang with me. So, so until the day of redemption, uh, the manifestation of the sons of God, and that time in the future in eternity, uh, when, when all of this takes place, in which the Spirit will go, you will no longer be a, uh, a, a, a inward man born again, sealed to the day of redemption by the Spirit, I, I believe we'll be able to inhabit heaven all by ourselves. Yeah. Now, this is what I believe. I believe right now, I'm inside, I'm born again, the inner man. Strengthened with mind by the Spirit on the inner man. And I believe that there's a seal there, and then there's my wicked flesh. 
When I get to heaven, it won't be so. There's a cutting away of the flesh, right? My vile body goes down. Now I'm just an inward man born again by, in a spirit, a soul that lives forever, and I'm sealed with the spirit. That won't be so when I get over there because it won't be necessary. I won't have a vile body to corrupt me ever again. Woo! Now, these are just thoughts now. Don't, 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 don't. I'm just thinking this thing through because I'm going somewhere to this, this thing, okay? Out of this matter of inheritance. So, so, let's say that's so. Let's theoretically, let's say that's true. And, and when we get to heaven, the spirit goes back to the God that gave it. Maybe it's referencing his spirit. You remember that verse says, uh, I don't get into that because we'll be more confused than we are. Okay, so I'm born again, inner man, still day of redemption. When I die, or we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So when Christ comes for his bride, or I die, physically down here, uh, uh, the, the part of me that's born again will uh, no longer need sealed by the Spirit. There's nothing in heaven that will defile me. There's plenty down here that will. So there's a continual cleansing power of the blood. The Holy Spirit is keeping your inner man from ever being defiled. Hallelujah for that. We're around a lot of sin. We partake of a lot of sin. If it wasn't for God's mercy and grace, we'd all lost our salvation. What did it say? Those who are kept by the power of God. Oh, that's in our Peter verse, isn't it? Uh, 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 talking about that inheritance, incorruptible, which fadeth not away. Now, let's, 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 let's go on and see. We've got an inheritance coming. We're sons of God, yet we're waiting for the redemption of the purchased possession. We're waiting for this adoption, and that has to do something with this body. Didn't we read that? Our vile bodies. Okay, so uh, we got there. Now turn with me. We got to verse 23. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 3. Let's do this quickly because I'm, goodness gracious, time's flying. We can't stop here. I'll read them quick as I can. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. I'll give you the verses just so you have them if you want to just write them down or something. This, this is a good one, but I can, I can read it to you quickly. Therefore, uh, let no man glory in men. For, for listen, listen to this because this is going to be important. Oh, I need like two hours to do some of this stuff. Okay, look at the first part. If you're in 1 Corinthians 3, look at verse number 21. Therefore, let no man glory in men. For how many things are yours? All, all things. Read that with me now. For all things are yours. That's going to be important. Whether Paul or Apollos, Cephas of the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come. Circle that at last part again. All are yours. And ye are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we got some good things coming. Go to Galatians 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Galatians 4. Get in the wrong book, and I think I've wrote it down wrong again. Now I say that the heir, Galatians 4 1, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. But as under tutors and governors until the time pointed to the Father, 
Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage of the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. This is similar to Romans. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Right? This is the spirit of adoption, is it not? And so, uh, we'll stop, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Boy, isn't that wonderful. So, you've got an adoption of sons, and you are a son. Okay? Go with me to Ephesians. Galatians, Ephesians, chapter 1. A couple pages over. I got to read a lot of this and I'll do it quick. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Now I'll tell you what that doesn't say. That didn't say predestined because of some election that somebody came up with unto being saved. We are predestined to be conformed to an image. Is that right? So if my predestination is to be conformed to the image of Christ, what all does that mean? That would mean not only does Christ have a resurrected body, an unvile, incorruptible, eternal body, but he's also without sin. Does the Bible say he'll come a second time without sin? Okay. Our sins were in his body on the tree. They're not in his body any longer because he's coming without sin. Hallelujah. So when you're raised incorruptible and you're raised and given and you're arriving at your predestined destination, you'll have a body just like Jesus that is undefiled and without sin and eternal in the heavens. A body that will is reserved in heaven. Now, very similar to this verse, which fadeth not away. You know what I find out this body's doing? It's fading away. No, it's not. I'm seeing a lot more of it, Brother Clint. Hush. Hush. But it's dying. It's going down. Is it not? You better be rest assured of one thing. We're all headed for the grave. We're going to die. But not so when I get my heavenly body. There'll never be a time where I'll have to have hernia surgery. I'll never have a time, not only the sinful part of it, but a, a, that, uh, uh, that is uncorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away. A body that will continue forever. Amen. Right? Amen. Okay. So my predestined destination is to be conformed to the image of Christ. So he's predestinated us. Read that verse with me again. We started uh, in verse number five. Under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. How many times have we seen this adoption and this new body in the same verses? So I don't think uh, necessarily that the adoption has to do with the justification of me being a child of God. I think it has to do with my inheritance. Which I cannot inherit because my flesh is corrupt. Hallelujah. You think God's done with us yet? No, sir. He that begun a good work in you shall perform it. 
He's not left anything out, Brother Ruth. He's not missed one little piece of this little puzzle. Well, I hope you're saved. I'm enjoying this. I'm telling you, God's just thrilled my soul with this stuff. I'm going to have an incorruptible body. Won't that be something? A body not just going to continue forever and never, no more sickness, no more pain, no more tears, no more hurt, no more betrayal, no more betraying, no more, no more none of that stuff. Uh, but uh, then again, I'll never sin. I'll never, I'll never have the temptations and the, and the things that I experience now. And I'll be able to just fully enjoy my inheritance in Christ for all eternity. I try to enjoy him today, but I'm battling against having to sin. I'm one step from quitting and one step from shouting about every day of my life. Are you? Sure. There's nothing but one bad choice between you and destruction. May not happen immediately, but it may be the one that sends you down over a course of period of time. To the praise of his glory, the grace has made us accepted in the beloved. And whom we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness times, he might gather together in one all things, there's our word again, in Christ. Both which are in heaven, both which are on earth, even in him. And whom also we have obtained an inheritance, hallelujah, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Gosh, I got to do this quick. Y'all are going to kill me. Uh, let me try to get to whom you have to trust. You heard the gospel. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, Ephesians 1. The earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Uh, Seeks not to give thanks for you, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, uh, having put all things in heaven's feet, the fullness of him which filleth all in all. Okay, so the important part there, the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Something's going to take place in the future, right? If you've got the down payment, there's going to be a redemption of the purchased possession. Now, that doesn't have to do with your inside. That's already done, right? We already saw in Romans, that's got to do with your body. Oh, man, let's go Colossians 1.4. Boy, we could do Philippians 2 if we wanted to stop in and see. Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he's able to do all things to himself. Now, Colossians 1.4. Boy, we can't read all this. We heard in your faith. Let me, let me go through. It was laid up for you in heaven. Okay, there's a hope laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of truth. So we're in Colossians chapter 1, verse number 5 of the gospel. Verse number 6, which has come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you. Since the day that you heard it. uh, Goodness, I'm trying to work down through here. You might walk worthy of the Lord according to his glorious power and other patience, long-suffering joy, giving thanks unto the Father. Verse number 12, this is the only verse we need. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Okay, keep turning with me. We'll do it quick. Turn to chapter 3, just one verse, 24. Knowing that the Lord, ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Okay, now turn over to Hebrews. Goodness gracious. I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. Hebrews chapter 1. I'm going to read these quickly. 
He's last day spoken to us as his dear son. Verse number two, look at verse number three. Hebrews 1, who being the brightness of glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And then it goes on talking about under the angels, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Uh, let's skip, uh, the, let's go to Hebrews 9, 15. He has by inheritance... I'll tie that back in just as quick and we'll go home. Hebrews 9.15. Let's see. Here again, the last part of verse 15, Hebrews 9. For this cause he is a mediator of the New Testament, means of death for the redemption of the transgressions of the First Testament, that they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Anybody else liking this? First, first Peter 1. I'm going as quick as I can. We've turned through about every book in the New Testament tonight. It only took us an hour to do it. First Peter 1. Goodness. Okay, let's just stop right here because we've got some other verses and we, we can't do it tonight. I'm not going to do it. We've, we've, I, I have... Um, quoted this one to an inheritance incorruptible and, and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God ready to be revealed in the last time. Now does that not match Romans 8 that the manifestation of the sons of God which we're coming to? Okay so what do we have now? Let's sum this up because we, we, we need to go. Um, we're going to have to we're going to have to stop here and let's, let's just go back if we could uh, and end tonight on 1 Corinthians 15. Okay. And we'll be done. I promise you I won't turn no more verses. 1 Corinthians 15. So you've been born again, which has to do with you being justified and being legally right for heaven. You're born as Christ was born. We see it in Mary's geology. He also was adopted in Joseph's. We see that. So in our adoption, this gives us the right to an inheritance. We'll, we'll just have to come back here if I'm feeling good enough after my surgery, and we'll have to look at the inheritance, that we, uh, some of the things that might lead us into this. I'm going to give you a hint. You know how we circled all things in there? Here's what um, uh, the Bible said about Christ, that uh, uh, he has by inheritance all things. All things were made by him and so what does that stand if we're inheritance, if we're in him and we're joint heirs with him, what do we stand to inherit? Sounds like all things to me. No good thing will he withhold from them that, oh, we could just go on and on. Uh, let me just try to get the, what we need out of here and then let's go. I'm going to have to do, let me just give you the, well, let's just do it. Verse number 35, but some men will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain it may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. 
But the glory of the celestial is one, the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. One star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. So it is written. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last man was made a quickening spirit. Amen. Howbeit was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth earthy. The second man is of the Lord from heaven, is, is the Lord from heaven. And as the earthy, such are they also which are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are also they that are heavenly. We've borne the image of the earthy. We shall bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump, the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when the corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which give us the victory. Let me sum this up for you. You're going to heaven with an eternal inheritance and you'll enjoy it in a body that will never corrupt and never fade. Hallelujah for Jesus. I'm glad to be saved and living down here on this earth. But I'm groaning within myself to be delivered and clothed upon with another body. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) I can't wait to go. You can't enjoy your inheritance and what you've got. You've got to be changed to enjoy eternity. So God's going to adopt you, giving you rights to your inheritance, and give you an incorruptible body to enjoy it in for all eternity. 100,000 going to inherit the earth. They can have it. I'm going to a land that is fairer than day. Hallelujah for Jesus. I don't know what you're talking about, preacher. Get saved, would you, tonight? Get you an incorruptible body like the rest of us. Hallelujah. We're going home. Thanks for being patient with me and getting that out tonight. I might not get to preach Wednesday, so. Brother Reed, come on. I'd rather be an old-time Christian than anything I know. And I'm telling you, you and I, we're going to put on a new body, and then we'll come to pass that saying. That death is swallowed up of life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can't, I just can't wait. I don't know what all it's going to be like, but I just cannot wait, Brother Longhorn. I won't. I don't know what all this inheritance is. I kind of thought some today that maybe the inheritance itself was that eternal glorified body. Now, you think about that. I don't know. But this much I know, we got a lot to look forward to, and we don't have a whole lot to complain about. Put a smile on. Thank God you're blessed. 
If you're saved, you got a whole lot going for you. You say, preacher, I'm down. I, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Just get your eyes on that eternal home and that glorified body and you'll get through it. Amen. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for the hope deep down in our soul. This hope of righteousness that we wait on by faith. We love you. Thank you for these great promises. Lord, I will have a new body one day. That'll never fail you. That'll never sin. That'll never die. No more weeping. No more sorrow. All things will be enjoyed by you and with you and for you for all eternity. We love you. Help our little minds to lay hold of these great truths. In Jesus' name. If there's anybody here lost, help them get saved tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to come, we'll sing a verse for you.